Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast. I hope everyone had a great Christmas, got everything you wanted, including COVID-19. Zach, how was your Christmas? Uh, healthier than it is, healthier than I am right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Zach, Zach, Zach. He doesn't know how he did it, but he got it. Well done, son. Well done. Probably uh, out handling door handles at weird places. It sounded much worse than I meant it to be. <laughs> Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Ryan Gills Gilbert, who's currently back at home in Kansas City. Uh, I think he lives in Mission Hills. I'm not sure. Um, and uh, he will be back in Manhattan for Saturday's TCU at K-State basketball game as the Wildcats return to Big 12 action after beating Omaha like a drum in the final 10 seconds. Um, they won, what, 60 to 58 gills? Was that the score? Mm-hmm. I just wrote about it for the site on, what is today, Wednesday? On Thursday. So I should probably know the score. It's in there. Didn't look great, but they got the win. They're at 5-5. Five and five. And the first half of our questions podcast today is going to be about basketball. And the second half, I think we're going to go into Pokemon. I'm not sure what the topic is. Zach didn't share it. But we're shuffling the deck again today, and Zach will be asking the questions. But we haven't shuffled our sponsor, which is the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We appreciate everything Kevin and his crew do for Manhattan, which is mostly keep us sane as 2020 comes to an end. And, of course, if you're going to go to Aggieville on New Year's Eve, good for you. I'm glad you feel comfortable doing it, and make sure you make yourself comfortable at either Tanner's or the Low, our segment sponsors. They get their alcohol from the fridge. Why don't you? Now it's your questions from Wabash Station. Zach, take it away. From Limestone Silo, is it a sign of severe mental problems that I went from wanting Bruce tarred and feathered after Fort Hayes State to now being excited about what he may have growing with this group of players? How does he continue to bring me back from loving him? Back to loving him. And there's a postscript here. Uh, he asked this question. Uh, K-State was down 29-18 in the first half to Omaha. And he would like to take back this question. Um, and he's got the tar boiling again. And he's upset. But, but they did win the game. So, so I get it. Um, and Gills, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on this. But first, it's me. Um <laughs> I was really upset with the four-day state loss, and I still am. But in a strange way, I think it slapped some sense into this young team. I mean, I think they had to hit rock bottom, and that was it. Man, I hope that was it, losing that game. They didn't play well against Omaha. Not that I expected them to play well. Being young and having a seven-, eight-day break, 
uh, for the holidays, eating lots of Christmas cookies, as Bruce likes to say, and then coming back and, and looking pretty sluggish against a mediocre to bad Omaha team. But they found a way to win, and they did that against Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee. <laughs> I saved it right there. Against Milwaukee uh, after losing to Fort Hayes. Wasn't pretty. But they won. And that, you know, at the end of the day, when you got a young team, getting the W is really important. They've now won four or five. They are back to 500 at five and five with that loss being Baylor, which was a total mismatch. And they, as I mentioned, played TCU on Saturday. But Limestone Silo, strap it in because this is going to be the season. And there will be more losses ahead than wins in all likelihood. They are one and one in the Big 12. But I still think six out of 18 would be a nice accomplishment for this young team in a season in which the Big 12 is absolutely loaded. I mean, that win came against the eighth pick in the conference, Iowa State. And Saturday, they play the ninth pick, TCU. And oh, by the way, they're already one and one in the conference, like K-State, but they are seven and two on the season. So that will not be a walk in the park for the Wildcats. I am intrigued to see what we see on Saturday because what we saw on Tuesday wasn't very good, but it was good enough to win. And uh, I, I can accept that with this young group. Gills? Yeah, I mean, a win's a win. I, it wasn't pretty, and no one's really proud of, a, of that win. But, I mean, they've won four out of five, like you said, and, and the only loss in there is to Baylor, who's one of the best teams in the country. So I, I think that they're headed in the right direction. And, um, you know, some of those Bruce, you know, fire Bruce shouters have kind of quieted down a little bit, but I mean, you know, it's, it, nothing's changed too much. We know that this is what it is. Um, you know, we're going to, the K-State's going to lose games and there's going to be frustrations. Um, but down the line, I mean, you know, Selton Miguel, I think the biggest thing to take away is, you know, the last 10 seconds, they actually, you know, won the game when they were down and, you know, moving forward, that's going to pay dividends for K-State just so that they know how it feels um, to have that pressure and go win a game when it's close, something they couldn't do early on in the season. So they're making steps, slow and, you know, slow and steady wins the race. But, uh, you, you know, a win's a win. I'll say this about this team. It is sort of rare for me to recognize a player uh, that if they're having a bad night shooting, I want them to still have the ball in their hands. Dean Wade was never that way for me. When Dean was off, he was off. And Barry Brown, too. I mean, once in a while, he kind of wanted the ball in his hands, but I never saw him as a big shot guy at the end of the game. Okay, he had some, but when he was out of cycle, it just didn't look pretty. Jacob Poland is a guy uh, that you wanted to have the ball in his hands. And I don't care if he was 0 of 10 from the field. The game's on the line. I wanted Jake to have the ball. That's the kind of player he was. It was the bigger the moment, the bigger the Jake, quite often. I kind of feel like K-State not only has a guy in that, and Selton Miguel, who was pretty dreadful for most of the night on Tuesday and then hit some late threes, including one with nine seconds left that won the game. But I think Nigel Pack's the same way. I think you got two guys that are are real gamers that – that you want the ball in their hands when the game's on the line. And that is a really encouraging sign to go along with Davian Bradford, a legitimate big man. He played his most physical game of his career and was only in foul trouble because the ref stunk. But he had 10 rebounds in 22 minutes of action. I'll take all of that. 
even in a two-point win over an Omaha team that Kansas beat by 40. Now, comparative scores don't not only don't usually add up, but you can kind of see where it's probably going when K-State plays Kansas. And that's the way it's going to be against those elite teams. But they're still going to win some games, and we'll see if they can do that on, on Saturday against TCU. Before we move on, I'll add, um, you know, I feel like last season was so unsatisfying that, it, you know, and even the beginning of this season just kind of felt like the same. And, you know, that's where you get, you know, the fire Bruce, you know, all the, you know, the unsatisfaction of, of what K-State basketball has been the last 18 months or so. But with this group of guys, I feel like, you know, as unsatisfying as last year was, there's a ton of guys on this team. And as we've seen throughout the season so far, you know, any one of them can kind of step up here, you know, like with Selton Miguel last night, you know, you didn't really expect him to be the guy, but he is, you know, and I think as we go through conference play, we're going to see a decent number of combinations of, of depth on this, this roster that is going to be able to maybe not win games, but at least put together a performance that says, Hey, those guys can win. And those guys, maybe not this year, but next year and years after that can compete in the big 12 plus, just add in the fact Luke Kazuki, Luke Kazuki. I think I got that right. Kasupki. Uh, looks good to me. It's, actually, uh, I, I went to the phonetic <laughs> pronunciation of the media guide. It's Kasupki. Soup. Kasupki? Yeah, soup. I don't know where the soup comes from, but I do like soup. So that's a okay. good sign. But, you know, the fact that he hasn't even, you know, he's still injured and he hasn't played a game yet. I think it just says a lot. Looking at how, how much K-State has so far and what we can see brewing, and then you get to add him in. Man, I, I, you got to be at least a little bit excited about the future. And you may recognize, you know, this year, you know, the top half of the league, you're not going to you're not, you're not in that stratosphere. You're not going to compete there, you know, compete, you know, for that, that seventh place spot, really maybe eighth even, and, and just try to, you know, try to get six wins out of this, this conference. And you know what? I kind of like Suri Lewis too. Uh, I mean, he's really raw. Really raw. He needs more confidence. Yeah. yeah, he needs more time and confidence. But he reminds me of Jamar Samuels. And what I mean by that is when Jamar was a freshman, he was like a chicken with his head cut off out there, just running <laughs> around, fouling people, diving for loose balls, doing all kinds of stuff that uh, seriously drove Frank Martin insane. But he was busting his ass. And that's what Sri Lewis does. And, and it's re- really encouraging. This group is really, really encouraging. And I'm just going to be really bluntly honest here. Even if you're in the Fire Bruce crowd, even if you've stopped watching, and you may not be listening to this, if K-State can maintain this core group of players... If Bruce is the coach or if someone else is the coach, if he retires or is fired or or moves on to be an analyst on ESPN. Okay, that was a reach. Um, this core group of players, if maintained, can do something special. And I, and I add that if maintained because that is going to be very crucial for this coaching staff. You did an incredible job of putting together eight guys in a new recruiting class that uh, seem to have a bright upside. They really do. There's not – guys, I don't see one guy where I look at him and go, this guy can't play at this level at all. There's nothing he can contribute. 
No, none of that. And they've had one of those in every class. It doesn't matter what class it was. You go through the year, years of Bruce Weber recruiting classes. You can find a dude that you go, who the hell was that? I don't remember him. <laughs> and they even had some guys that were highly recruited guys that didn't ever pan out for K-State or anyone else. This is a really optimistic group. And maybe your best case scenario is Bruce doesn't coach him. I'm not going to get into that. I don't care. They've done a good job hitting reset. You may not think he deserved to have a second reset, but here we are. And I'm finding optimism amongst the losses and the sometimes frustrating play. Because Tuesday night sucked to watch most of that game. And yet they found ways to make enough plays to get over the hump. And I'll take that. And plus now Zach's put the Rolling Stones in my head. So I found some satisfaction. Fitz, would you, if you compare this this incoming recruiting class, and maybe even you know go back to last year a little bit and kind of compare some errors here, is this the most confident you've been in a group of guys mm-hmm. since maybe those those Jamar Samuels, Jacob Poland, mm-hmm. you know those late, you know about ten years ago, yeah. Frank Martin teams? Yeah, the the Bob Huggins recruiting class that became Frank Martin's recruiting class. I mean, it had Michael freaking Beasley in there. And speaking of guys that you always wanted to shoot the ball, I mean, you didn't care what he'd done in the game. The, the thing about Mike is he he didn't have many bad games. I mean, he didn't have games where he, he missed. This is the best I've felt. You, you might want to have hindsight and point to Dean Wade, Barry Brown, Kamau Stokes, but again, I'm going to remind you that there were eight dudes in that recruiting class, and you can probably only name the three I just named. I would venture a guess that three years down the road, you're going to be able to name a lot more than three guys in this group. Because I think when the sophomores are seniors and Casey Agu is amongst those, man, these names are just not working for me. <laughs> it, uh, I think he'll be around. I think he'll be good. Um, and he'll be taking a back seat to Davion Bradford, probably. But those two combined will be unlike anything had at K-State's had at center since Jack Parr, Bob Boozer. And by the way, that's a long time ago because it predates me, literally predates me. So, yeah, I'm really optimistic about this group. There are no, as, I, as far as I can tell, there's no one even close to a Michael Beasley. And there may not be a Jacob Pullen, although Nigel Pack seems to have a little bit of that. But... Selton Miguel has something Jake had, and that was a whole lot of dog in him. He'd get after you, and he didn't matter if he was having a bad game. You know what he was going to do? He was going to make sure you had a bad game too. And I, I like that about Selton. And uh, I'm, I'm really, I've, I feel good about the future of this program. And if you can somehow overcome your disdain for Bruce Weber, who, by the way, is one of the nicest guys in the world, and prove that by admitting he watches Hallmark movies at Christmas time. Um, wow. Bruce, don't, don't share that. Don't no, no. AMC was fine, but when you crossed over into Hallmark, it gets worrisome. Um, yeah, it, you know, if, if you can get past that and focus on the kids, you're going to feel better about things. And you thought this would be a short podcast. Um, yo mama. Shane Southwell seems to be getting a lot of coaching time during timeouts. Is that surprising for a younger assistant? Not Shane. That's Shane. Uh, you know, and I think Bruce likes that about him, that he's thinking 
He's, you know, and and once in a while you can tell Bruce kind of gives him a look like, hell no. But he's trying. He's offering, you know, and I think Shane's going to be a head coach. I don't know if he'll be a good head coach, but he's, he's showing indications of the guy that wants to be in control. And I appreciate that about him. I think I think it's uh, really encouraging. For now, though, we need Shane to make sure he's adding a guy or two every year to the recruiting class that, that is uh, really going to help this program keep going because now they got the base and they got to keep adding pieces. From Dr. J54, why can't Bruce Weber stop the team from taking bad three-pointers? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if any coach can. Uh, I'll really... I'm watching that, and okay, so this is stealing from my own story I wrote, but uh, Selton Miguel in the post game talked about coach said, keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. Well, a 19-year-old kid is hearing, keep shooting threes, keep shooting threes, and and Bruce is saying, keep taking good shots, they'll start going in, not keep wolfing up three-pointers, which half of their shots literally, mathematically, Riley Gates, Half of their three point their field goals were three pointers. I mean, it's incredible, and they were awful. What were they? Eight of thirty-two or something? No, that's not right. Eight of thirty-one. It was it was awful. But they hit them when they counted them. They hit them later in the game. But yeah, you know these guys just got to learn. Now, uh, the thing that Bruce said to me said to me said in the post game, but it was in a question I asked, I believe, is you've got to value your possessions. You know, I don't think I've heard him say that phrase very often, if at all. And it was it was a real emphasis of Huggins. And it's what usually makes West Virginia good. Because if you win more possessions than you lose, you're probably going to win the game. So quit worrying about who leads at half or who who's leading at any point in the game. Win the possession right in front of you with a good shot, a good pass, or on the other end of the floor, really solid team defense and a nice blockout rebound. Win the possession in front of you, and you're going to win games. And and that's the biggest lesson I think this group needs to learn. And you don't win the possession by woofing up an immediate three-pointer when you can work it down, around, and in. you got a big guy in the middle who can score and pass. Work the offense. And uh, I think Bruce was experimenting a little bit last night or Tuesday night. And I think he, with only eight players, he really had some mismatched parts at times on the court. I was watching with my buddy last night, and we, we were saying it reminds us of Iowa State back with Hoiberg. I mean, all they were doing was just chucking up threes. And when they go in, it's awesome because, you know, Jacksonville, they were, you know, hitting them left and right. And then, um, you know, after a break of, what, eight or nine days, you know, things weren't falling. So, um, I, you know, Bruce, it's, it's, it's a matter of, you know, Fitz, I don't know what you exactly said there, but if you're unhappy with one of your players, you can just, you know, bench them and say, Hey, stop, you know, shooting those. And if you do it again, you're going right back to the bench. So I don't know if it's impossible, like you might've said, but, um, uh, I, I think it's Dejuan. I think we've talked about it, about him enough, but you've got to realize who your scorers are Yeah, and who can make the shots. Yeah, I. you're right. That's one thing that Bruce, I sense he's being very careful about. He doesn't want to damage anyone. You know, he, he wants them to feel confident. I think we'll see that as we progress a little bit, maybe. Get your ass off the floor. You know, sit down here. 
until you can make better decisions. I see him doing that a lot with Dejuan Gordon. Um, the behind-the-back pass in the lane to Davion Bradford was one of the silliest things I've ever seen. Because Dejuan still has his part of his game, and it, it, it goes with his being enamored with three-point shots, where he wants to be the highlight guy. And I, I've got really tough news for Dejuan, and I, and I don't think the coaches are sharing this with him. You're not a highlight guy unless it's like a breakaway dunk. You need to be the solid blue-collar guy that ends the game with that low double-double, that 11 and 12, because that, that you're capable of that. And if you're doing that, this team's going to win. I mean, if you're willing to do that, you're not going to make silly turnovers and put up a bunch of three-pointers that don't have a good chance of going in, this team's going to win a lot of games with Dejuan Gordon doing 11 rebounds and 12 points, even if they all come at the free-throw line like they did at Iowa State. That's how you win. From KSU, ma'am. Last question. Last question. Last question of the first half. Good job. Way to correct it. A couple of them. A couple of them. Last question of the first half. Any update on when Luke Kazuki will return? And from Yo Mama, is there any chance he redshirts? Um, boy, you know, I hadn't even really thought of that, Yo Mama. I, I don't think so because they need players. But if if there's any uh, ongoing issues with that foot, maybe. But Gilsey's getting close, isn't he? I mean, I think it's yep. a matter of conditioning at this point. I think Montavious might play Saturday, so he'll be back. Uh, which is funny because I thought he'd be the last of the three guys that are injured that to return after Bruce sounded so dour about it earlier on. So having him, a high effort guy, will help. And you know, he seems to be really engaged along the sideline. Um, Iziagu will really help because, uh, you know, Bradford had some foul trouble and they had to go to different guys that aren't true posts that can play in there. K-State's got some size that really is, you know, more perimeter-based. So, um, but I think he's getting close, but I, I, there's still, he's really reluctant to say it'll be a week. He does never lay that out, does he, Gills? Yeah, I believe he said he was doing five on zero uh, practicing That's right. in his last press conference. So, yeah, it's still a little ways away, but I don't know the rule, and I, I should. But, I mean, if you redshirt, that doesn't count towards your COVID season, or does it? I, I, see, that's oh, another no. That's another point. Is yeah. I, I don't know if that even matters this year. Yeah, I don't think – I think everyone's redshirted, basically. I'm not sure. I, I really need to clarify that with sports <laughs> information on how this basketball season is yeah. being handled. But I will say this. As someone who played some basketball uh, in my day – I was a really good player five on zero. I I mean, I dominated five on zero. In fact, I, it was really more like one on zero because I wouldn't pass in the damn ball. I was uncovered. I was going to shoot it. Five on zero was my game. And if Kazuki can hit the three-pointer five on zero, I want him to take those when he's wide open all day, every day. God, it's been so long since K-State had a big man that can then score at the rim and a three-point shooter combined. Well, honestly, you know what? I don't think it's ever happened. I mean, if you want to say Curtis Kelly was a big man that could score at the rim, I'll remind you that he was actually the four on that team because Luis Colon, the very definition of a big man at Kansas State was the five. And 
And the guys that were really good fives, Boozer and Parr, predated the three-point line. So I don't know if K-State's ever had a three-point shooter with a big man that can score. Amazing. See, there's something optimistic to be found about this team if you just look. I'm not optimistic about the rest of this podcast because I have no idea what we're going to be asked. They won't tell me, but we'll find out on the other side of this break. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. We made a giant decision in the break that Zach would continue to ask the questions. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, but then we realized uh, that Gills covers basketball, and uh, Gills feels like he sucks at asking questions. And and I don't think he sucks. <laughs> I think he just uh, is challenged. He's uh, Dejuan Gordon in the half court. You don't know what's going to happen. It might be good. It might be horrible. But you got to let him learn from his mistakes and get him there. Because there's an upside to Gills if he just learns – his game. And our game here is sponsored by The Fridge. Our segments are sponsored by Tanner's in the Hilo. Do all of those things and have a very merry new year. Hold on. It's a happy new year. Whatever the new year is going to be, make it a good one because 2020 will soon be behind you. I felt like 2020 has been behind us the whole time. That wasn't appropriate, but it's fitting. Questions. From Zach Carlson. Or to build on your comparisons, is is Gills to attack of Iola and I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in to back up and oh, take yeah. over? Ooh, yeah. You know, yeah. when you need when you need the good guy to come in and clutch it. You're just a closer of the bullpen pitcher. Hmm. Okay. It gets very right. confusing if you're Fitz Magic. I don't know what uh, oh, it's very oh. <laughs> like I'm being intruded upon. Yeah. Anyway. First questions from PowerCat Ryan. What if the answer to the football team's problems isn't who is exiting or entering through the transfer portal, but investing more time and energy in the players that are on the roster? I think we heard Kleiman basically say that. I think Coach Kleiman, uh, you know, let's the guys that are here, we're going to try to get them better. And that's why you wanted the bowl game. What a crap show bowl games have been. Yeah. Oh yep. my God. Um, Those cheeses are pretty cool, though. That's a good game. 
Those weren't Cheez-Its. Those were just blocks of cheese sitting in the stands. Oh, I was talking about the, uh, the Cheez-It bath that Gundy got. He had oh, to shake yeah. Cheez-Its out of his sweatshirt. <laughs> <sighs> Bullet-shaped Cheez-Its. <laughs> marketing. Um, yeah, I, I think there is a real upside to the guys on the team. And, you know, again, they want to be, quote, a developmental program which is what Bill Snyder did. They want to get guys in and develop them. Um, and if you're not invested in the program, whether you're transferring or talking about it or whatever, you're not in investing yourself. So move on or what, or get refocused. It doesn't matter, but uh, they will do that. I think the portal guys are the modern equivalent of junior college guys, going to plug some holes here and there, need some depth at linebacker, Here's a guy that was okay at Utah State. He'll be okay at Kansas State. Here's a defensive tackle that was okay at Charlotte. He's going to be okay at at Kansas State. But they're going to be able to play and contribute. They're, I don't see a Briley Moore yet. There might be a guy like that out there. We'll find out. But really, again, it's going to be about these young guys. And if you read my Christmas Day thing about the comparisons to past players, some were reaches, I admit it, but... I see some really big upside in a lot of these young guys that they're signing. They're they're kind of like a different level of guy than K-State football's had for the past 15 years. So it's I, I think it's encouraging. I think you're right. Just invest in these guys. Um, like Hazel Horst, I'm really intrigued to see how good Gavin becomes because I think he could be a really good player. Maybe he just won't ever pan out. But it's going to be a fun process. Yeah, I think, you know, we kind of forget, you know, it's easy to to look at who's just signed, you know, Jake Rubley, Gavin Hazelhorse, you know, guys like that. But then you go back a couple of years and you kind of you're in this this gap where there were some really good players you signed a couple of years ago, but they still haven't played yet and they've been developing and it's it's easy to forget that we're just not seeing them. You know, they're next in line. They're gonna be ready, but it's it's tough to see it because those gains haven't been realized yet. You know, there's guys like Nate Matlack and, and other guys that are going to be coming up through, through the system here that, you know, we're really good prospects and, you know, there's still prospects, but, you know, just like every year and, you know, throughout college football, we kind of need to relax and Hey, you've got some guys in your hand right now, you know, they're going to play and they're going to be all right. So yeah, I, I kind of agree with the question here that, yeah, it's, it's about development first and not about trying to, you know, grab a guy through the portal or, you know, using the portal to plug in your roster for an entire year. I mean, that's just not going to work. You're going to have to develop your guys. From Oiler Cat 2, is there any word on when or if there will be spring football? I think they're planning on it. I mean, I think by by playing the season, they proved that they're capable of maintaining enough healthy players to have practice. So I don't see why they wouldn't have spring football this next year, particularly as, you know, more and more people get the vaccine. Hopefully the spread dies down or the severity of the because really the vaccine is intriguing to me. It doesn't really prevent you from having COVID. It just takes all of the strength out of it. It it didn't. It attacks a certain protein that makes it, you know, really deadly for some people. And that protein lets it enter your cells and it stops that. So it 
very interesting way. I've read something quite informative about that. So COVID will still be around, but it's not going to be as uh, dangerous to, to everyone that has the vaccine. Um, and what's different about this vaccine, and I didn't know this, that there actually isn't COVID in the vaccine. In the past, they've, you know, they've used the the vaccine had some of whatever the virus was or to help you fight it off, to teach your body how to fight it off. And this this is totally different. So um, I think a lot of people's fears about the vaccine are unfounded. Um, but that that would be using logic. So I think the last spring football, guys will still have to be careful about things. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but uh, I think they realize as players, they probably really value what they can accomplish in those 15 practices. There will not be a spring game. I can assure you of that. Um, there wasn't going to be one this year. There won't be one, you know, in 2021. They're going to just practice, and that's fine with me. From Powercat Ryan, what is one positive that you will take away from the COVID-19 experience? Uh, something that some maybe something that you had to change in your life, the way you conduct business, or changes you made that probably you wouldn't have otherwise that you will carry into your post-COVID life. Well, one positive is a positive test. Yeah, you've. You're going, you're going to have the uh, antibodies here pretty soon. We were just commenting on that. Maybe you can come in and record in person with me. Yeah. Have to get the antibodies, and you're not a possible infectious carrier for me. And I can yell at people that yelled at John Higgins. Hey, put your mask up. I already had COVID. That's pretty funny. That's <laughs> that pretty was funny. funny Gills, I'm interested as a young guy who's had his senior year screwed up by COVID. Have you found positives in this? Uh, I think just being grateful for, you know, what you have, um, in the current moment, you know, normal life, we take everything for granted, you know, you don't know what you have till it's gone. So, um, I think just family and friends really valuing, valuing them, um, as well. I think I texted a lot of people for the first time, like my whole life on Christmas, just wishing them happy holidays. It's not something that, you know, I've ever done before. So just being thankful and, and grateful for, for everything that we do have, because it could be a lot worse. Um, you know, even though 2020 does suck, could be a lot worse. So just, just being grateful for what we have and, you know, when things are back to normal, um, knock on wood, you know, being appreciative of that. I, the 2020 can bite my ass. I mean, it's just been a horrible year. Um, to, to be a guy with stage four cancer, even though it is not active right now, um, to have other underlying health issues and have this going on has just been stressful uh, beyond what I can describe. I'm a social person that is holed up at home. But what I've learned is I, I can do this. I mean, it's not easy for me. Um, I can't wait to get back to beers on a Friday afternoon. Um, you know, sit down at the bar at Tanner's or, you know, one of my other favorite bars. Um, you know, I, I've thought a lot about older Aggieville, uh, early two thousands when I was at so long saloon, almost nonstop and hung out there and how many of my friends I still have that were bartenders or employees there. I mean, the owners are friends, you know, and I miss all of those guys. I saw one of them, Ben Warda recently and I, you know, so it's made me understand 
the value that those people have had in my life. Ben now owns Mobile Revive here in Manhattan. Got a location in Kansas City. He opened up a second location here in Salina, or excuse me, in Manhattan. Um, thinking about Salina, that's what's in my mind. And um, But I've also always been a guy since 2000. If I'm going to have employees, I want to have an office. And we had an office for 16 years in Aggieville and three years in downtown Salina. Oh, Jesus. Downtown Manhattan. <laughs> what is, apparently COVID has eaten away at my brain. I've lost giant segments of my past in downtown Manhattan. And I love having an office. But as soon as COVID hit, I was done going to the office. So we were paying rent for an office that I couldn't go to. Couldn't be around you guys. We're doing this over Zoom, which is honestly not ideal, but this works. We can get this done. Um, and now we've constructed a really cool studio space here in the house. I mean, you guys have been in it. It's really nice, usable space. Is it as great as we had at the office with a separate podcast room? No, it's not, but this works. This this will get it done. Um, and it's... It's now downstairs, and so I feel like I'm going to work more than, you know, I go down, physically go to another part of the house instead of just the whole room across our bedroom, across from our bedroom. So I've learned a lot that um, there's more than one way to do this. You know, probably the worst thing is, as you folks at Go Power Cat know, I had to let go of one of my best friends because of the finances of COVID and, and what our company is going through at times. So that has sucked but the other side of that is I've discovered that we can create some content that we would have probably never arrived at so um, I appreciate everyone I think I value the customers even more because times are tough and we really haven't dropped numbers you know we all businesses fluctuate but it's really been pretty consistent so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the customers. I'm thankful for you guys, how hard you work at times. All the part-timers, Ryan Wallace and Michael Goins, Adam Suderman, David Sabota pitching in now a little bit. we got to get him more involved in basketball, but it's all been good. It's There's been a little reinvention of this company, and I appreciate Ryan asking the question. I feel like the bank buying our building yeah. is almost like a blessing. I know. You know? I know. It's like... Hey, we don't. We're going to take over your building. You know, okay. you know, with less employees, and you know, it sucks that we lost the studio, but that we worked so hard on. But you know, I, I wasn't one that would go into the office all the time because mm-hmm. I would just, you know, work at home in my basement. You know, having to, you know, it's easy to go over to the office when you live over there, like you know, other people did. And I'm just like, you know, it's it's not really worth it for me to drive 15 minutes to go to downtown Manhattan and you know work on my laptop you know, where I could just do it at my house. So, you know, nothing really changed for me when I think about it, you know, I've been just working at the same desk that I'm at right now, you know, at home. (laughs) But we clearly miss more than anything else. WTC high speed fiber. Oh, we missed the internet. (laughs) God. Oh, my best option at home is one step above crappy. But now I'm hardwired. We did move everything, so I'm hardwired into my modem with all my stuff. So now at least I have the best speed available instead of whatever's coming across my wireless at that moment. Yeah. 
Moving on to Ohio Powercat. Have you heard if we plan on picking up any more players from the transfer portal? I'm sure they will. I don't think they're in a hurry. I mean, I know they've been talking to one. If, you, if you've been following Ryan Waltz's thread, they're, they're <laughs> playing. This, Christ, this Christmas gift is turning into a Valentine's Day gift here soon. Put your transfer portal in. Put your transfer portal in. I mean, this guy is in. He's out. He's... Uh, you know, I I don't know what's going on. And Wally's like, he was coming, <laughs> and now we're not sure. Uh, they're they're not done. They're absolutely not done. I I don't see any way they don't hit a receiver. I just don't see any way they don't pick up one receiver. Um, but they're also I think they're being very thorough. The other side of this is there's so many freaking guys in the portal. I, I, there's about as many guys in the portal as. There are for the 2022 recruiting class that you have available. There's just so many guys in the portal. It's hard to evaluate, hard to figure out that, hey, this guy at Utah State or Charlotte actually can help us uh, because everyone's going to fight over the, you know, the really visible guys that are leaving big programs. And is that a good use of your resources to try to get in when you may not? I don't know. We saw West Virginia get a really good linebacker out of Arizona through the portal and that worked out great for them. Maybe K-State will find a receiver that can come in and impact them, maybe in the way that Briley Moore did out of out of the one double-A. Dang it, I did it. FCS ranks. They'll always be the one double-A to me. They just will. Shouldn't have changed it. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be some more action. I'll be stunned if this is all they do. I agree. I think that there will be at least one more. You know, probably even in addition to whatever Wally's teasing here. So, you know, I think that I think that we're not going to be done for a while, and I think you'll see a few more guys, you know, come out. And I think that, yeah, a wide receiver is probably, you know, the number one on the wish list. You know, circled in big red ink. Yep. You know, a wide receiver is critical for this team in 2021. Yeah. Well, I'll volunteer this. I think the guy that they're Wally's talking about would really help the team and make people excited from I like pickles cat uh, knowing the physical toll power five football takes in the short and long term for players would you suggest to players that they play past their fifth year well it's up to every, everyone out there I mean I, I can see the if you're not going to be an NFL guy um just I, I don't know, man. If your body's taking a toll, don't keep beating it up. I mean, trust me, I'm I'm an old guy that didn't play, you know, high level competitive sports. I, I played a lot of volleyball and to this day I have a really bad shoulder and a really bad knee from just that. Low impact, you know, hit the floor with my knee. But you know, the all these things add up and I don't care if you're a weekend warrior playing softball. You know, whatever injuries you've had doing that when you're 40, 50, you feel it all. I mean, and I'm very conscious of it because Marcus Watts has the body of a, you know, 50-year-old man. He just does. It's just so beaten up, back problems, you know, the, the break in his hand still hurts. All those things add up. So if you're just a guy, you might just want to move on, particularly if you have a good degree and you've got a good job lined up. I mean, I think that might be the case with Drew Wiley. Um, just move on. But now he might actually have a shot at the NFL because he advanced so far. So um, we'll see what how that plays out. But, yeah, I mean, but if you're a guy like Noah Johnson who hasn't had much uh, wear and tear on your body, 
Um, hasn't played as much. Yeah, come back. Drew McPherson, you got a few injuries, but I don't know that it's really added up to severe stuff. Come back. Sure, that sounds good. Skyler, feels like he has something to prove. So, yeah, he's going to come back. He needs to prove something, whether that means how he stands in the history of Kansas State football or that he can play at the next level. Whatever he needs to prove, he feels like he needs to come back. Do it. Do it. Whatever works for you, man. I say if you have a legitimate shot at improving enough to, you know, get a shot at the NFL, you should come back. And if you're still having fun, you should come back. You know, if you feel healthy enough and you feel like, you know, the risk of, you know, whatever one more year of, of you know, toll on your body it's going to take, you know, if you're comfortable with the risk of that and you're still having fun, yeah, come back. But, you know, if you're, if you're a guy like Elijah Sullivan or Justin Hughes and you've been around for six, you know, do you want to come back for a seventh year? I mean, I mean, and play college football and maybe increase your chances. I mean, there's, there's points, you know, where you got to say, Hey, this, the, the fun or whatever I'm getting out of this isn't, you know, what I'm putting in, you know, what I put into this, I'm not getting the return that I should be, you know, whether it's enjoyment, pro prospects, you know, whatever else it is, an extra degree, you know, some of it's education, you know, some of them, you know, maybe you want to get a PhD or, or something in, in whatever you want, I guess, you know, if, if you can get a free degree, especially in this day and age when, you know, college debt is, you know, extremely expensive, um, you know, why not, you know, but it is the cost of putting your body on the line, you know, worth what you're getting out. So that would be my advice. You know, are you having fun? Well, yeah. Is the risk worth it? And if the risk is worth it, you know, for your health, yeah, take it. I might grad transfer to Northwestern to get a master's there, but that's just me. Like I can never get a degree at Northwestern. I know it's a little different with basketball, but we talked on the Insiders podcast a few weeks back with Chris and Jay. Uh, I forget who said what, but one of them said if this was the same situation as a senior, you know, playing, you know, basketball is too much. My body's had enough. And then the other one just said, I'm only young once, you know, give me another season. So, it, you know, it really does depend on the player and what they can really get out of that last season. So there is no right or wrong answer. Yep. It was Jay that was done with it. And which is, you know, for him, it was just the, it wasn't about the games or the physical wear and tear. It was just kind of everything, you know, trying to go to practice, do all the things you have to do as a student athlete and get your degree because he was going to law school. So, you know, good grades were important. Um, and Griff was like, Hey, I'd, I'd play again. I'd do it. That's my chance. It's, you know, he knew he wasn't going to be a next level guy. So, he would have done it. It was it was a really interesting discussion. That's on the Insiders podcast at GoPowerCat.com. The last question of the podcast from Oiler Cat 2. The Big 12 is off to a good start in bowl games. How do you think Oklahoma and Iowa State will do? Uh, well, doesn't Oklahoma play tonight as we record this? Um, yeah. I'm gonna. I think they're both going to win. Um, oh, you has Florida in the Cotton yeah. Bowl? Is that right? Uh, yeah. I think they're both pretty good teams. I, I I think the what we're seeing in bowl games is I think the Big Twelve was actually pretty good this year. It's just it's been so difficult this year because there weren't the non conference games that you need to really compare things. 
and the non-conference games we did have really didn't indicate what teams were. Iowa State would beat the sh- out of Louisiana <laughs> right now. It didn't really matter. I mean, it was just one of those cases where those teams in the warm weather states that got in spring football were far more advanced in early September, mid-September than Big 12 teams. Didn't mean a thing. But do we know anything about uh, how SEC teams fare against other teams? No, because they didn't play anyone outside their conference. It was a giant, incestuous football orgy. (laughs) And we're about to find out, how does Clemson really add up? Because the ACC so far has sucked. So were Clemson and Notre Dame really good? Or were they the best two teams playing ACC schedules this year? And uh, they just looked good because they were comparing to each other. Is the SEC normal? No, I don't think it was. I think Alabama was far better than everyone else in the SEC. Uh, So um, I think the playoff will be interesting this year because we have so little to go on. But I'm a Big 12 guy. I think Oklahoma and Iowa State will both win. And, uh, you know, I, I can't talk about my Heisman vote, but I think Iowa State has one of the best players in the country. Is that um, I, I get the feeling that OU's going to win since they're not in the playoff. Any year they go to the, you know, whatever the New Year's six-year bowl is, they will win. Yeah. That was Fitz. That was not me, by the way. And, <laughs> and they, I, I think that OU will win since they're not in the playoff. Iowa State, I say they lose because they, when they get onto a grand skate stage, they will fla- fail, flail and fail. I don't think they will win their bowl game. I love OU. I know this will be posted, um, you know, at midnight after the game's over, but I love OU. I'm not so confident with Iowa State just because, you know, Oregon, I have bad memories with bowl games and, yeah, against Oregon. So I, I think Oklahoma's going to get a big win. But it, it, with every bowl game, it really just depends who cares and wants to show up and, you know, who's going to be playing. You know, we saw with Oklahoma State, um, you know, Wallace was out for the second half and then Ellinger. Was, he, was Ellinger actually injured or was he just – No, yeah, he, he actually injured, was. He injured huh. his shoulder, yeah. That's not good. I thought I thought it was just a little no. excuse to get out. No, I thought the Talon Wallace thing was weird. I saw a tweet. Yeah, that was planned. That he was going to only play a half. Yeah, uh, crazy. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> I, if if I had a player, even one of his stature, come to me and say, "Coach, I, I just want to play a half," and then I'm going to opt out at halftime, I'd say, <laughs> "No, man, you're either in with us or you're out." Pick one, and we're going to go that way. I mean, that's just yeah. that's obscene. I, I don't... If you only want to play a half, go get called for targeting in your previous game. You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> but then you'd only play the second half, not the first but, half. But yeah, if somebody, if a if a player came up to me and said, "I only want to play a half," I'm going to save him for the second half, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you? Yeah, that didn't make sense either. <laughs> so that almost that's sounds like thing. it was like Tylen didn't tell anyone, and then at halftime he goes, "Coach, I'm opting out." Yeah. What? Man, I don't make like, your mullet curl. I got my, I got all my bowl game gifts. I'm out. Mm. See you later. It's actually not a bad idea. That's pretty smart on this part. What bowl were they in? What was it? It was the Cheez-It Bowl. Oh, you got those things. I had a uh, time hop gave me the Fiesta Bowl when I was eating chips and salsa 
for breakfast one morning because it's all I had in my damn room was chips and salsa we had hoarded from the <laughs> the awesome hospitality area at the Fiesta Bowl and had taken it back to my room on the sprawling campus of the what, what's that resort the the Camelback Inn. Camelback Inn man I love and hate that place oh cheese it bowl mm. ah the the wonderful tradition of bowl season. The Duke's Mayo Bowl and the Cheez It Bowl. Mm, man, I remember yeah. when I was a kid watching those games. Is that it? Are we done? That's it. We're done. Yeah, that sounded like a guy with COVID right there. That's good. Yeah. Zach, take care of yourself, man. Just, yeah, uh, just stay safe. I think you should, uh, uh, you, you've been doing a lot of uh, selling of, of, Trading memorabilia? I sure have. Now make sure you lick each envelope. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I've included a free gift with every purchase on eBay. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you to The Fridge and our segment sponsors. We'll be back in 2021 with a new attitude. But the same K-State sports, so it'll probably add up to the same attitude. Huh. 2020, bite me. Talk to you later, everyone. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.